0: Hey, hope is born as our theme, and it's going to carry itself through um, everything that we do. Hopefully, we are seeing hope birthed on our Sunday morning services. Hope, hopefully, we are seeing hope birthed as we celebrate with our kids and as we uh, do things like give back to the Scott family and have a, a, a women's Christmas um, party which I'm trying to figure out a way to get here to the women 's Christmas party so if you have any creative ideas for me that do not include me wearing a long wig um, or shaving my goatee I'm open to, to hear suggestions because I want to be here to hear what uh, Joanne Ramos has to say to our ladies and it just sounds like like a fun evening so um, But we, if you've been a part of us for the last few months, we just finished a series. And the series was called The House That God Is Building. And I don't know about you, but I so loved hearing the type of church that I believe God dreams of when he thinks about his church. And we talked about some pretty amazing things, maybe some heavy topics, maybe some some kind of elephant in the room type topics. But I hope um, and I believe that there is a sense of hope that is in the air. Amen? And I hope that you've been expectant as you begin to dream dreams with the creator of the universe. And I'm so honored to be a part of, of building the church that I believe God dreams of when he I don't know if God sleeps at night, but when God dreams about his church, I want to be that type of church. Um, And I pray today that you're expectant for this season of what God wants to do in your life this Christmas season. I hope you're expectant for your life. I hope you're expectant for your family. But I hope you're expectant for what God wants to do in this season at Generational Hope Church. Um, We're going to talk for the next several weeks um, about the season, how Jesus' coming changed everything. Amen? His coming didn't just change everything, but it changes everything today. And it doesn't just change everything today, but it changed everything about what will come in the future. Amen? Amen. So I'm pretty excited this morning because it's not just celebrating a baby that was born 2,000 years ago because the power of Jesus' coming has the ability to change the future of your life for all of eternity. And that is something to get excited about. Um, so I'm excited for this series. We, uh, as a parent, you have these questions that you dread. Okay, we have and, and, and I'm not talking just about the birds and the bees questions. I'm talking about the question of, hey, dad, who's your favorite son? <laughs> right? Have any other parents to your kids asked, hey, mom and dad, who's your favorite? Right? And, and you know what my answer is? Not you. Your brother, right? You're thinking, you're all favorite. No, I don't tell my kids, oh, you're all my favorite. No, I'm like, no, you're not my favorite. He's my favorite. And then when he asked me, you're our life. He's my, we had a lot of pictures as a family. We've got these things, and this isn't a plug, but my wife orders these things. I think they're called chat books, and they're like awesome, and I think they pull off her social media, and it's just, they send us a book in the mail of pictures of our family, which is, is pretty cool. And we were looking through those books, and, and one of our son's, He was pretty wise and he goes, How how come there's not very many pictures of me? (laughs) And I, you know, it's hashtag thirdborn, right? (laughs) Hashtag fourthborn. You know, because he begins to look through these albums and it's like, I remember when we were first parents and we did some pretty crazy things with our firstborn son, Daniel. I mean, I remember about two months after our son was born going through a drawer. And I don't know if you do this, you're not weird. Maybe we're both weird, but we had saved his umbilical cord from the. I'm thinking. We don't have it anymore. We we got rid of said umbilical cord, but it was, like, so special. Well, we can't get rid of his umbilical cord because, you know, it's just special. And, you know, people would come over, and I remember taking pictures and celebrating everything, right? The first time he went to the bathroom, we were like, yeah, he did it. And, you know, let's take a picture. And, you know, and then with our fourthborn, we're like... We don't need to recreate some of these pictures because he looks so much like his brothers. We could just tell him that's him and it's fine, right? So, but we've got this, you know, it's kind of a running joke in our family, you know, kind of the, you know, we've got a lot of pictures of our first two and then third and fourth. It's kind of like, oh, and now we can just say since we had a house fire, oh, we lost it in the house fire. That's why we don't have pictures of you type of thing. You know, and and it's funny to remiss, and I think as parents you don't you don't intentionally you know do some of those things, but you know let's just face the facts, you know they're lucky I remember their names and uh, birthdays and that kind of stuff, Um, but I was thinking about this concept this week, and I was thinking about it seems like just yesterday we were up here celebrating Christmas as a church. And, and sometimes, you know, I find myself, you know, thinking about Christmas, and it's just, just like, man, I feel like we just were here. And, and, and to a degree, it's almost like, oh, man, just, I guess it's, it's another Christmas. They're probably going to talk about a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And I think sometimes we get this idea with Jesus, like, you know, the hashtag fourthborn syndrome, where we're like, uh, another Christmas, going to sing some carols. hmm. And I don't want to do that with my relationship um, with the Lord. You know, because I know my relationship with God, and I know celebrating His, his birth is still important, but is it still create? Does my relationship with God today and celebrating the Christmas season and celebrating the fact that hope is born, does it still move me today as it did the first Christmas that I had a relationship with Jesus. And I want it to if it doesn't. And I want it to in your heart if it doesn't. Romans 15, 13 says this. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Okay, and the Amplified Version says this, and you don't have it on your screen, but after in believing, the Amplified Version says, through the experience of your faith. Listen, as you get comfortable experiencing what it means to live a life of faith, you will be filled with all joy and all peace as you experience what it is to live a life of faith. And then it goes on and it says that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope. Come on, say that with me. Abound in hope. Say it again. Abound in hope. Listen, that is God's desire for your life, for your family's life, for your uh, Christian life, that you would be someone that abounds in hope. And I'm not talking about smiling and saying everything's good when it's not. I'm talking about really being hopeful regardless of what's going on around you. You know, I've learned how to abound in a lot of things. Okay, I know what it is to abound in stress. I know what it is to abound in worry. I know what it is to abound abound in anxiety, okay? I know how it is to abound in sin. Listen, it's not about abounding in the wrong thing. God wants you to abound in the right things, okay? He wants you to be someone that is so overflowing with peace and hope, Amen? amen? So, hope. This is what Mr. Webster says hope is. He says, hope is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. A desire accompanied by expectation. Okay, there's two or three words of this definition that really, in my opinion, this is why I say this is a worldly definition or a uh, fleshly definition of hope because it says that hope is a Feeling, okay, a feeling. If hope is based on a feeling, then my hope is subject to be then disappointed. Okay, think about it. Every year, as a devout Seattle Washingtonian, when we start talking about spring training and the Seattle Mariners, I go, I feel Like, this is gonna be the year. 1995 all over again. Soto Mojo. All the magic. And then they start spring training. And they say, this is another rebuilding year. Thank you. Listen. I didn't quite catch that. Could you please repeat it? That is Surrey. Surrey, I said, it is more than a feeling. Will you, you, will you help me with that? <laughs> I tell you, I, phones, are, phones are interesting. She gets it, right? Because she's been heartbroken by the Mariners as well. Right? But again, if, if, if hope is tied to a feeling, then when the reality is they're terrible then we're just going to be disappointed. So the second definition, the second word that I struggle with, it says it's a desire accompanied by an expectation. Listen, desires are good, but desires alone cannot breed hope. Okay, if a person says, I, I hope I get this job, right, that desire does not guarantee a job. Right, so I, there's a difference between worldly hope and biblical hope. Right? Biblical hope is this, and this is a definition that I've come up with. It's Hope is an expectation that is based not on a feeling, not on a desire accompanied by expectation, but hope is an expectation that is based on the promises of God. Not based on feeling, not based on desire or positive thought, Right? Those are fine things, but it is based on God's promises. You know, there was a man in the Bible that experienced the revelation of God's promises in his life. And we don't talk about him very often. And his name is, is Simeon. And you can find Simeon in Luke chapter 2 and probably some other places. But my desire is to be like a man like Simeon was. And you're thinking, are you sure you don't mean Simon? No, Simeon. And we can find him in Luke chapter 2, which is like the Christmas story that all churches talk about, right? Luke 2, I could probably, my sons could probably recite part of it. But Simeon, we don't know a lot about Simeon, but it says that he was righteous and devout, right? So that, to me, seems like a pretty common guy, right? A pretty common, you know, churchgoer. I would say many of you are righteous and devout in your faith, right? That's a good thing. And he finds himself in the temple eight days after Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago. Because the Bible says that, you know, on the eighth day, Mary and Joseph brought their little baby to the temple to be dedicated. And this devout and righteous man, Simeon, was there. And the Bible says that he took the baby in his arms, and he said this in verse 29 of chapter 2. He said, Lord and Master, I am your loving servant... And now I can die content. For your promise to me has been fulfilled. With my own eyes, I have seen your word, the Savior that you sent into the world. He will be the glory for your people, Israel, and the revelation light for all people everywhere. Okay, in other words, he's saying, Lord, if I were to die tonight, I'm good. Because here, in my arms is the one that I've been waiting for all the days of my life, right? My hopes are realized. My dreams are fulfilled. I'm ready to go, right? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. That's, I added that, right? But he is literally holding his, this baby in his arms, and he says, God's promise has been fulfilled. Now, I will say, be like Simeon in spirit. Do not be like Simeon physically. Because if you were just to grab someone's baby and say, my dreams have been realized, you'd probably get arrested, okay? Because it just says he had the baby in his arms. It was, it's kind of like, so don't do that, please, because that will get really weird really fast. But as Christians, we should always be so full of hope because hope, is alive and hope has been born, and his name is Jesus Christ. But Christmas should be a time where we have a renewed sense of hope. Hope in Jesus Christ, despite the mess that's in, inside of us, despite the mess that's around us, despite the chaos, despite the pessimism, beside, despite the political mess that we can see when we turn our news on. In spite of the headlines about murders, riots, wars, rumors of wars, listen, in spite of all those things, we should be people of hope because the hope that we possess is not a temporary hope, but an eternal hope. Listen, in spite of all those things, Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive to conquer despair to impart hope, to forgive sins, to take away loneliness. He's alive to reconcile us to God and to bring order out of our chaos. Listen, hope is born. Billy Graham in the 60s said this, many people cannot hear Christmas carols, the message of Christmas carols, because today their ears are tuned to different sounds. Listen, he said that in the 60s, and it's probably only gotten worse in the last 50, 60 years. So my question today is, what sound are you hearing, and what song are you singing? Listen, I believe that there is a new song in the air. There's a new sound that wants to come out, And I believe that there is a world that has lost its ability to sing. And I believe that Jesus wants to restore that ability in and out of the church. And I want to be one who sings alongside the angels and joins in singing that song, Glory to God in the highest, not, Oh me, I'm so miserable. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 11 The writers are speaking to the church in the middle of a tough time. Sound familiar? Okay. He says this, and he would say this to us today. You are children of the light and of the day. You do not belong to darkness and night. So be on guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed, Night is a time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus, not to pour out his anger upon us. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. Come on, I think a a lot of people, a lot of Christians have a hard time believing and having hope for their lives because they're still shocked with how bad things are around them. They look at what's going on and they can't have hope. But can I just tell you something this morning? God is not surprised by what is going on in your life. God is not surprised by what is going on in our nation. God is not surprised by what is going on in the nations of the world. You may be shocked, but God is not shocked. So I want to talk about three things today that are going to help you birth hope in your life and in this season, this Christmas season. So you can write these down. I think I have them on the screens as well. Because he wants us to be people and he wants us to be a chirp that radiates with hope, that abounds in hope. Number one, check your citizenship. Okay, check your citizenship. Are you clear and are you convinced in your own life that you are a citizen of a heavenly kingdom? Because your identity adjusts your perspective in the way you carry out your life. Okay, your identity adjusts, affects your perspective in the way you carry out your life. Because if my identity is found in being only an American citizen, then guess what? Your identity adjusts your perspective and the way you carry out your life. Listen, Philippians 3 says this. It says, let all, say all. All, All. let all, that's you, that's me. Let all who are spiritually mature. Listen, isn't that the goal? That's why we come every Sunday. That's why we we do different things that we do is so that we would become spiritually mature sons and daughters. That's the goal, right? Right? Again, we're all on different processes of different wavelengths of that one, right? But the goal is that we would become more mature sons and daughters. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things, that our citizenship is in heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And then in uh, Peter 2, verse 11, it says this. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Beloved, I beg you. He calls you a pilgrim and sojourner. Okay, those mean as a temporary resident and tourist. You are a temporary resident of the nation of America if you have accepted Jesus Christ to be in your life and in your heart. This nation or any other nation of the world that you may call home, if you are a son or a daughter of God, is not your final resting place. You are a temporary resident. You are a tourist. Get your camera. This is not your eternal home. It says, keep away from worldly desires. Listen, oh, what's a worldly desire? Oh, that's murder. That's lust. That's sin. How about getting so down in the muck and the muds And in the weeds with your neighbors, is that a worldly desire? When you argue about whether Jesus was born in December or not? Huh? You know what? Yeah, he probably wasn't born in December. But here's what I know. That December is the single most time in our nation that people are seeking God. And so, you better believe that I'm gonna preach about Jesus' coming because it's my opportunity to maybe add them to the kingdom. It's my opportunity to see them be filled with hope in their life. Listen, I don't wanna get into the weeds with people over things that really don't matter. But here's the deal I will pray for my nation, for my temporary home, I will vote. I will love my nation. I will obey my responsibility. But I'm not going to get derailed and I'm not going to get caught up when things don't go the way I think they should go. Because I will put people above politics. And I will love above differing opinions. The very prophecy of Jesus himself in Isaiah said, and the government will be on his shoulders. Of his greatness, of his government and peace, there will be no end. Listen, every single established government in this nation and in the nations of the world will fall, will fail. But I am a part of a kingdom, and I am part of a ruler whose kingdom will not end, whose rule will not end. Listen, I am part of an unshakable kingdom. And so when everything around me is falling, I am not derailed because I am not married to that temporal kingdom. I am married to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Number two, you want to have hope? Pretty simple, pretty blunt. Sorry, ladies. My wife says, sometimes you're really blunt. You could have worded that better. Well, probably. (laughs) Don't be anxious. You want to have hope? Stop being anxious. Simple. Don't be stressed. Over this season, i got so much to do. I hear you, but I'm not going to be anxious. Over this season or the next season. Listen, all day long, if we wanted to, we can compare stress points. Oh, you think you have it bad? Let me tell you about my last, you know, six months. Oh, well, that happened to you when you were two? Well, guess what happened to me? That and just a little bit more. Listen, if us comparing stress points doesn't get us to a place of thankfulness and gratefulness, then what's the point? Okay, the Bible says to replace. This doesn't say you're not going to experience opportunities to get stressed. Hello? But it says, take that stress and replace it with thankfulness. It doesn't mean you're not going to worry. It just says, hey, take that worry and pray. Seems like a a Christian thing to do. Right? Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious or worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then, say then. 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 You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart. It will guard your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Listen, that does not work by just reading it. That only works by practicing it. And let me tell you, it takes practice. But I'm telling you, when you switch your perspective and you replace your worry with prayer and you replace your stress with being thankful, something changes and it's not your circumstance. It's your attitude, it's your perspective, but it only works if you practice it. So don't be anxious. Number three, You want to experience hope this year, then I want to encourage you to lock on hope. Listen, I was a perfect child growing up. Perfect. Don't ask my parents or my siblings um, about that, but you can ask my grandparents, right? I was a perfect child. Did everything right. Except I really struggled with locking on things. And, like, I remember having arguments with my mom where she would just go, would you just go to bed? And I would stress out about locking on. I couldn't tell you what I would lock on. And it's interesting because one of our sons, um, I wonder where he gets it from. Um, I can't blame my wife on this one. Um, I will on the the next, though. But, (laughs) But I had this weakness where I would get so locked on things, like, the color of the Lego that I was building and I literally it would just drive me crazy right I'd be so locked on where you know she could be talking about you know world peace and I'd be like the Lego's not red you know and she'd be like, oh boy you are you are, you're crazy um, but I would get so locked on things right and and, and we have one of our sons had this, has a tendency where it's like Until we address that, we ain't gonna talk about anything else because so he is so focused on whatever he's focused on. Um, But I wanna encourage you to lock on hope. In Thessalonians, we already read the scripture, but it says this, it says, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. I find it interesting that it says put hope on your head why because it's a battle of the mind because my situation doesn't look very hopeful my situation doesn't feel very hopeful but God has said would you put hope on everything that comes in and out of your minds thoughts and actions if you continue to read, you're familiar. If you're a Christian, you know Ephesians 6, right? It's, it's the, armor, the armor verse of the Bible where it says to put on the whole armor of God. It says to put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Listen, I believe this. I believe you could be saved today going to heaven whenever you pass from this earth, but you can be armorless. Yeah, I believe there's probably lots of people that call themselves Christian that are beat down in their daily life because they just do not wear the armor of God that he's already told us to put on. But you got you to put it on, right? You got you to put it on. You, no one else can put it on for you. You know, putting on hope is not a one-time event, is it? No, a lot of people would say, you know, I experienced hope when I gave my heart to Jesus. And I know many of us in this room today have given our hearts to the Lord. We say we experienced that hope when we got saved. Listen, salvation is not a one-time event. Right, the Greek word salvation, okay, the word where we talk about salvation is a Greek word called sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. Say sozo. 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 Listen, sozo means to rescue, to be delivered, to be lifted out of the mess. Listen, there's three parts to Sozo. Number one, you come to Jesus when you're 13 years old, when you're 14 years old, when you're 33 years old, however old you were when you came to Jesus. Romans 10 says that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Okay, that word is Sozo. There was was an event, right? You believe, you confess, you are new. It was a happening. I will never forget the moment that I call my salvation experience. It will be with me until the day that I die. Why? Because it was the start for my faith journey with Jesus Christ. Never forget it. Okay, it was a happening. Sozo, I was saved going to heaven. Still had no clue what I was doing. But the Bible says that we are continually being sozoed, right? As I walk with Jesus, I become not eternally more saved because I'm saved and saved and saved, right? It's not that I'm more eternally saved than I was a while ago. No, but I'm more like Jesus. And number three, sozo means that there is a, not just a hope today, but there is a future hope. And that future hope is a spiritual deposit of things to come called eternity. Worship team, would you come up this morning? Hope is not based on circumstance. It is not based on performance. Hope is not based on do better, try harder, but it is based on who God is and his promises that he has spoken over your life. Listen, locking on hope is connected to eternity. And the ultimate hope is the fact that I know that when I pass from this earth, I have a place in heaven. That is the ultimate place of hope. So how do I live? I do not live wishing. There is a difference between wishing and hoping. I don't wish that I'll grow in my faith. I hope that I will grow in my faith. Right, because hope is the soil where faith grows. So in your life today, what are you expecting God to do next? Would you stand up with me? In your life, what are you expecting for God to do next? In your life, in your family, what gives you the confidence that your tomorrows are going in a good direction? Listen, I'm not just wishing for our church to take more spiritual ground. But you can better believe that I'm hoping. You can better believe that I'm hoping. And I'm building a garden full of faith that is saying God has great things in store for us as generational hope church. God has great things in store for the families of this church. Listen, as you walk forward, your hope becomes faith. And your faith becomes your reality. Romans 5.5 says this. It says, And the hope of Jesus does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Here's the problem, though. I read that scripture and I say, but I've been, been disappointed before. I've been let down before. Could it be that I attach my hope, and I even attach promises of God to things that I never should have. And then when I get disappointed, it's because maybe I wanted something that God never wanted for me in the first place. Right, we've gotta anchor ourselves to something deeper than the culture. Hebrews 6 says this: it says, In those days, past days, you were living apart from Christ. You lived in this world without God and without hope. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us into the curtain, into God's inner sanctuary where Jesus has already gone before us. Listen, my prayer for our church is this, that we would find a perspective where our hope goes deeper than the culture, where our hope goes deeper than the news stories, where our hope goes deeper than the opinion and the muck, and that our hope attaches itself to the rock of Jesus. Growing up, my grandfather, who's still alive, He's 95 years old, and I hope I have his genes. Growing up, I would go sailing with him and my brother, and he had like a 30-foot sailboat on Lake Washington. And one of my highlights of uh, being a kid was getting in the summer to go on a sailboat, and we would stay overnight on the boat, right? And, And we would stay at Lake Washington in Seattle, and Lake Washington only has a few parts in the lake where you can stay overnight legally and anchor your boat. One of those is called uh, Seward Park. And so we would go to Seward Park and we would anchor his sailboat and we would sleep peacefully. And one of the things that I learned about Lake Washington was when you would anchor yourself at Seward Park, there was a a layer of mud that you would not want to anchor your boat to because it's mud, people. And then there was a layer of rock the rock bed. And that's where you wanted to anchor your boat to. But in between the mud and the rock in that park was like hardened mud or clayish substance. And a lot of people would anchor and think they were attached to the rock when they were really attached to the hard mud. And I remember one time in particular, we anchored the boat and we slept and we woke up to, ah, 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 hey! wake up, wake up, wake up. My grandpa had let my brother, we'll blame it on my brother, not me. It wasn't my fault. He had let one of us anchor the boat and we were not anchored to the rock. But we were anchored to the mud stuff, the hard mud, not the soft mud. We're not that bad, right? It was the hard mud. The stuff that gave us the security that we were on, the deep stuff. Listen, We need to find a perspective that goes deeper than the things that give us security. Come on, can we sing this song, Great Are You, Lord? Come on, come on, we're going to come back. Let's sing this song. Let's go back into worship. Let's go.